Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. The Denver Nuggets are the top seed in the West. First time in their history. And, of course, they've been in such control for so long that it's been actually kind of hard to get a read on what's going on with the team. So joining us now to break that all down, lead Nuggets analyst from Mile High Sports, I'm Ryan Blackburn. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn. And, of course, check out the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, uh, both wherever you get podcasts, and on YouTube. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I guess uh, first thoughts, it's been most of the season, quite frankly, since the Nuggets have been in control of the Western Conference. But here they are for the first time in their history, the top seed. Uh, you've been, obviously, watching this team for a long time. Does it still seem a little surreal to know that this team has been that good all season long? Well, it's funny. I saw a number uh, just just a few days ago that the Nuggets have been in control of the one seed for over. I think I think it's about 120 days now, so basically four months. And and you quickly forget just how 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 quickly Denver controlled that one seed, how they extended that lead over the Memphis Grizzlies, and then retained it for the entirety of, of the rest of the season. And they the season basically ended when the Nuggets defeated the Grizzlies in that home game on, I think it was March 3rd or March 4th, one of those two days. And, and after that, Denver was just ready to get healthy. They're ready to uh, wind down the season. And, and they, I, don't, I don't think that they should be blamed for the rest of the West being such crap this year that they, they now look like the rest of the Western Conference because they don't have any reason to try. It is true that the Nuggets in calendar year 2023 have won 30 games. Uh, They've been very steady throughout the season. And the 30 games they won in 2023 down the stretch in the regular season suggests that. Do we go with that as the primary indicator or predictor as to how the Nuggets perform in the playoffs? Or are we just a little bit concerned that in March and April, the Nuggets went 9-10? and 10? It's a great question, Sandy. I, I, I think that no matter who you ask, the, the general answer is going to be, I don't know. Uh, this team at this point has gone through their ups and downs the beginning of the season wasn't what I think many people hoped, although they were still winning games. Uh, the middle of the season, I think, separated Denver as the best team in the NBA during no that doubt. stretch. No doubt. And it was it was a it was a forty game stretch, and it, it wasn't a it wasn't a small thing that they that they were able to do that during. I, I think most people would generally consider uh, that that stretch from December, January, February to be the most indicative 
of what a team is going to be rather than, than March and April or October and November, just because you're going to have the most teams trying during that stretch and everybody's trying to bank wins during that time. And that, that's what I think is the most important stretch. And I think when Denver wanted to be, they were the best team in the NBA and their, their lack of motivation down the stretch isn't really a surprise to me. Uh, it's, it's very reflective of what they were at the beginning of the season. But I do think that Denver checked enough boxes that I, I consider this team more of that December, January, February team rather than the, the two ends of the spectrum. How much, Ryan, has the last few games and maybe a week, week and a half, given Michael Malone in an effort to streamline the way he's going to handle his bench, what guys are going to carve out what roles and how much time, obviously trying to force feed this and make it all sort of fit together in the wake of Bones Highland defection, made it that uh, a situation that for the Nuggets, they had to kind of scramble to fill this bench. How has that program come along now as the regular season has come to an end? Well, I think the Nuggets found out pretty quickly during this season that Christian Brown was a player. They, they didn't know to what level he was going to be able to contribute, but found out pretty quickly that, that he's a guy that deserves to be in the rotation every single night. They already knew that Bruce Brown was their sixth starter, that that was going to be a guy that was going to be out there every single night, too. And then Jeff Green is, is the guy over the course of this last month or so. He's played better. He, he hasn't played great. He hasn't been perfect, but he has played better. I think he's put himself into a better position as a shooter. He's attacked. He has switched better on the defensive end. And he's another guy that in these big moments, in these key games, has stepped up. I, I remember back to that Memphis game in early March where it was actually Jeff Green's defense that, that stood out to me, his defense and his rebounding in terms of getting Denver over that hump in a, in a, in a big way in that game. So he's going to be a guy, those three off the bench along with the starters are going to make up the bulk of Denver's eight-man rotation. They found that out over the course of these last six weeks or so. Though I do want to mention, I, I think you're bringing this up for the, for the mention of Peyton Watson, who <laughs> Peyton Watson, of, of all people, like I, I had no expectations of him dating back to two weeks ago. And lo and behold, uh, he's the guy that steps up and, and, and writes his name, at least in pencil, on, on as an option that Denver can use in these playoff series because of his ability to guard, because of his ability to run the floor and and do the defend, rebound, run mantra that the Nuggets like off their bench. Well, that leads to the question I was going to ask you, and I'll throw Watson's name in with Reggie Jackson's and Ish Smith's name. Of those three, as a fourth guy off the bench, if needed due to injury, foul trouble, who do you think Malone trusts the most of those three? Maybe he doesn't really fully trust any of them, but uh, take a stab at it. Uh, among <laughs> Watson, Jackson, and Ish Smith, who is likely to be that fourth guy off the bench if necessary? Ah, that's a that's a fun one. That's a that's a fun question. I I think what he has said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use Malone's own words on this. Uh, what he said pregame on Sunday yesterday right. Right. Uh, about this rotation was that it was going to be those eight guys, and, and then based off of 
the situation based off of what they were going to need in any of these games, that it could be any of them. And, and I think you have to throw in Zeke Naji and Blacko Chanchar and, oh, yeah. and even like Thomas Bryant into, into this mix. Although I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit cooler on the idea of Thomas Bryant. Yes, being an I, impact guy. He seems to be uh, in the doghouse for lack of a better term, although he did get minutes yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, Game eighty-two, man, good, good yeah. on, good on the coaching staff to get him in for, for that important stretch there. Yeah. Uh, no, I, th- I think that, <laughs> I, I think that if I had to pick between the three names that you list, it's probably Reggie Jackson, just because, as, as Michael Malone made sure to point out, both pregame and postgame, that he has the playoff experience and the high-level performance that the Nuggets are going to need, and, and has had moments where. He stepped into the, the role of high-volume scorer off the bench or at least somebody that can get you through various minutes and then have the ability to make shots, which I think if you look at Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green, that's, that's not a great trait for any of those guys. They're, they're not going to carry the load on the offensive end, which is why you see so much staggering. It's why you see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and guys like that staggering with that second unit, but if you have a, a Reggie Jackson who can carry at least a little bit of offense there, then it makes some sense to to put him out there in that situation just to get you through some minutes. Though I do think uh, if it were up to me, I, I might throw Peyton Watson out there now. I think he's proven enough over the course of these past couple weeks that in, in the playoffs where you actually need uh, some tangible game-changing ability, Watson's defense, and his ability to run the floor will be more valuable than, than Reggie Jackson in terms of taking shots. Given the, the last performance, which we saw the starters against the jazz in a game, which they were kind of underwhelming, Nicole Jokic looked passive. Uh, how much do you put into that? Or do you put in any of it? Because it was bracketed by games in which they didn't play at all is coming into this playoffs, which is still a week from uh, yesterday for the nuggets. Are there any particular players among the starters that you are concerned have to step up their game? No, um, I think that I think that Nikola Jokic is is the one guy that you're looking to as as the leader of Denver's emotional letdowns in in some of these situations where the team is going to take on the personality of their best player, and if Jokic isn't really up for it from a, an aggressiveness standpoint, a shooting standpoint, a defense standpoint, then there's no reason for anybody else to really be up for it at that point. I think that. Jokic is going to be fantastic in this upcoming game one on, on this upcoming Sunday. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. He has so much pressure on him. And, and I think he knows that the, the playoffs are going to be where that's tested. He's been saving energy. He has been conserving. He is trying to approach this from the perspective of the long haul, knowing that the, the only story that's going to be written at this point that he really cares about is the ability to win a championship with this team. And I think he's going to bring that aggression when it's needed, not necessarily in a game 81 against the Utah jazz. Uh, but there's, there's been like, I can understand why people are concerned. I do get it. I do believe that you should try to play your best basketball before the playoffs rather than average to meh basketball. But I, I just think that this team has shown that when they need to, they will step up in those big moments and provide the requisite energy and focus and discipline that you need for playoff basketball. And Jokic is, is definitely the leader of that. 
it is interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it, it does seem to have been the case that for whatever reason, he's been coasting. Obviously, the other day in Salt Lake, he hardly shot the ball. Uh, on a day when everybody, people were coming out of the stands uh, to shoot the basketball. He was the only one who didn't seem terribly uh, interested in engaging uh, that way in the game. But do you subscribe to the theory that now at least the MVP talk will stop? Because that's a regular season award. There's no more to be done with that. Now it's strictly playoffs. Does that help him? At least psychologically, I think I think there's something to it. I think that once it became pretty clear that that Jokic could actually win a third straight MVP, is when things kind of went downhill. There was there was that point where where he kind of climbed the mountain a little bit, played in that Philly game when when Joel Embiid did not outplayed Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he was he was showing up in those moments, played really well. And there was a very brief moment where the odds kind of swung back into his favor. And then there was a lot of pushback uh, after that. And and I think he he really torqued down his actual efforts and and his willingness to to really go full bore. I think that taking away that distraction is a good thing. I think that he has been a guy for a long time that hasn't asked for any of this, has always wanted to, to be about the team, has never liked the MVP conversation and especially this year with it getting as ugly and disgusting as it has, it's not surprising to me that, that he's shying away from it. And I think getting away from that in this postseason will be good. Uh, very similar to Giannis Antetokounmpo in 2021, in my mind, where the Milwaukee Bucks kind of, they performed well, but, but weren't perfect in that season. Jokic won the MVP that year, despite Giannis having a really good case. And then Giannis went out and destroyed Worlds along the way to getting his first title and, and really, I think, vindicating a lot of people's feelings on him and, and I think, getting away from the naysayers. I think that Jokic is very much on a similar track. I think that he is a guy who wants it to be about the team, just as Giannis did. And there's going to be hell to pay, I think, just, just in a lot of ways if it doesn't happen, but... I think he knows that. I think he's very ready for this moment and is excited to, to I think, right some wrongs over these past couple of years. We're talking with Brian Blackburn of the Milo Sports Pickaxe and Roll podcast. Of course, you can check him out at NBA Blackburn. And I guess now that we we don't know which team we'll be facing, but we know it's likely to be, given a Minnesota situation, either the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, or the Thunder. Uh, Sandy obviously has concerns about each of those teams for various reasons. Is there one that you don't want the Nuggets to see in the first round? I think it would probably be the Lakers at this point. I think my conversation mm-hmm. with Sandy and, and you, uh, you, Sean, I think really changed my, my opinion on it. But also, just over this last couple days, the Timberwolves have really floundered. Uh, they, they, they have lost Jaden McDaniels by the looks of it for, that, for an actual... That was worse, I thought, than losing Gobert yesterday. There's, there's I, no doubt, I thought especially... a guy punching a wall, breaking his wrist, I, I think in terms of value to the team and how he fits in with the team, I think the guy with a broken wrist is the much bigger loss. Oh, of course. And, and Jaden McDaniels, I think, has become 
maybe the top perimeter defender on the wing in the NBA. Yes. And and having a guy like that that you just that you just say sayonara to, uh, that is a that is a really big blow. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what actually happens with the Timberwolves. Whether they can survive in advance in this play-in, I do think that if if I were handicapping it, though, the Lakers do have a lot of momentum. There's no doubt about that. If you had to choose between the four teams, you're probably not choosing the team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And we'll definitely get the benefit of plenty of whistles. And the team like that. that also has a 14 and six record in March and April. What I will push back on with that is is I, I I think if you remember back to 2021, the Portland Trailblazers were awesome leading up to a series with the Denver Nuggets who were kind of not floundering, but but definitely like without Jamal Murray at that point were, were seen as vulnerable. And then the Nuggets won in six games, and it didn't really matter that the Blazers had played as well as they had leading up to the playoffs. I, I think that momentum is mostly a myth in this case. And a team like Denver, because of the week off that they're going to get, they will build back up momentum. There's going to be no question about that. And uh, I, I think that you, you want to stay away from it if you can, because there are definitely weaker opponents. Uh, I think Denver would probably prefer to play the Thunder because they don't have a matchup for Jokic. They'd probably prefer to play the Pelicans because they like if they don't have Zion Williamson, they probably don't have enough top-end talent to really match up with Denver. And then they now probably rather play the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves just lost their best perimeter defender. And they also have Gobert and Towns, who I, I think, I think Jokic can match up with those guys reasonably well. So I think there's a, there's, there's, I, it's really just a lack of other worse options that, that you have to put the Lakers at the top of that particular conversation. But uh, there's, there's no team that scares me in the play. And that's for sure. All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting week here is, is the Nuggets get what they've, earned they've looked for a rest an opportunity to go ahead and rest and and uh, get healthy and get ready for the playoffs i think sandy pointed out at the beginning of the show that probably be a lot more resting this week than even practicing right now to get this team right and uh, you want to stay on top of it you want to follow ryan you go ahead and follow on uh, twitter nba blackburn check out the pickaxe and roll podcast you can uh, not only listen to it but you can view it on youtube as well you can also find all that at milehighsports.com ryan this is going to be a uh, uh, a hard week to have no basketball, but at the same time, a really informative one for the Nuggets who know that they will have to play a team that's already two games tired into the playoffs when they get to face them on Sunday. So that's one of the advantages you have. That's what they played hard enough to get this top seed, and that's what they'll be doing. So thanks for the time. I appreciate it. We're looking forward to checking in with you next time. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Always appreciate you. All right, thanks. That was the big point that you just made. You know no matter which of the teams you're facing, they've had to play. That team will have had to play yep. two games. One of them will have had to play two elimination games. Well, yeah, I mean between yep. the nine, the nine and ten, that's two straight elimination that, games. That's exactly right. So I mean that there's no ability right. to rest. That that if seven beats eight or eight beats seven, the loser has another shot. So the seven eight game is not an elimination. The 9-10 game is an elimination mm-hmm. game. And so there are all these interesting factors, and uh, Ryan is on, on top of it with respect to McDaniel's uh, injury. That, to me, that was the story coming out of the Minnesota-New Orleans game yesterday. Yes, Minnesota won and got the eighth spot as opposed to the ninth. And I could see a rematch between those two teams in Minnesota later this week. I definitely could see that. 
But the big news to me coming out of that game was that Daniels broke his wrist, apparently yeah. punching a wall, and uh, it's just been that kind of year with a very weird Minnesota Timberwolves team. It's, it did just odd stuff has happened. Towns missing all that time, and then Gobert from the beginning, I think, proving to be ill-suited for that kind of environment. Uh, I think what we saw yesterday is an example of his teammates having very little regard for him personally or professionally. And he strikes me as a guy who had a chance to be a very good, if not great, player in this league, and he's blown that, uh, starting with all the uh, COVID escapades uh, that came out of uh, March of 2020. Well, we'll find out on He's Tuesday. never recovered from that. No, you're really And not. I think, look what Donovan Mitchell's doing now for Cleveland, right? Yep. Donovan Mitchell is a first or second team All-NBA guy. Rudy Gobert isn't even a first or second, in my opinion, all-defensive team guy anymore, though he once was. Yeah, it's definitely moving in different directions when you're talking about those So if guys. you're wondering who was the good guy and who was the bad guy in that conflict, seems Mitchell was the guy who was either the good guy or the guy who had more legitimate grievances against the other. Worth noting, too, I always love to remind people of that. Both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert originally drafted by the Denver Nuggets before being sent to the Utah Jazz. They were. They'd like to have one of them right now. Wouldn't that change things? But ah, Tyler Lydon, uh, how we I, don't miss I, you at all. I don't know, though, because it seems, I, I'm not sure... Mitchell and Murray in the bubble had that great one-on-one matchup, right, where they both seemed capable of scoring 45 to 50 points every game. I'm not sure they play that well together, though. Yeah, Got to be averaging more than Tyler Lydon's 0.0 points a game. Well, true. <laughs> so there's that. True. The Colorado Avalanche. Find that themselves... would require some coaching dexterity uh, yeah. that I'm not sure the Nuggets possess. But yeah, in any case, know. listen – the one guy you know you don't want is Gobert. And I kind of like, if I were to pick, I think the Lakers would beat Minnesota. I think New Orleans will knock off Minnesota. I think New Orleans will take care of Oklahoma City, and I think with home court. And then New Orleans will go to Minnesota and win the game that actually they probably should have won yesterday. I can see that being the case. We'll find out starting Tuesday when the play-in tournament begins. Of course, tomorrow the Avalanche will take on the Edmonton Oilers with an opportunity to continue locking down the Central Division. We'll take a look at them next. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.